Happy day and happy Mother's Day. Welcome to Jacob's Well podcast. I am super glad that you joined us. Today, we're going to be digging deep into the life of a woman named Jacobed, who because of her faith and courage, saved her son Moses, who later became one of the greatest leaders of all time. You will learn the practice of being faithful in doing your part while trusting God to be faithful in doing his part. Let's dive in. Happy Mother's Day. Oh my goodness, that was so much fun. I hope that you enjoyed it, moms, as much as we enjoyed hanging out with your kids and listening to all the stuff that they said for this video and that song, that song we did to honor you today. So I hope it brought you as much joy and and, uh, enjoyment as it did for us. So one of the things I did notice, though, is that I have always thought that kids say the darndest things, and of course they do. But what I have been paying attention to recently is social media posts from safe-at-home moms doing safe-at-home homeschool. And I tell you, I'm starting to believe that moms say the darndest things. And I just had to share some of these with you. Um, So here we go. Nothing to see here, kids. Just mommy stress-eating Oreos in the hideout lounge. Also, I'm calling the bathroom the hideout lounge. I was lecturing my six-year-old on picking up after herself, and she sighed, announced she had to go poop, grabbed the iPad, and locked herself in the bathroom, so I think she's ready for marriage. (laughs) I would like to report that we had our first meeting on structuring the day for our teens, and it went as horribly as anyone could possibly imagine. We are monsters. And how are you doing today? As you see, my boys are locked outside. Mind your own business. We're having a fire drill. Hashtag homeschooling. Today, there was a lot of yelling and crying. Things were thrown around. It was anarchy, but I calmed down, and I apologized to the kids, and they seem to be okay now. (laughs) If you had asked me what the hardest part of battling a global pandemic would be, I would have never guessed teaching elementary school math. And lastly, I think this is really important, so pay attention, mamas. I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't wait until the end of the quarantine to discover you never pulled your kid's lunch out of their backpack. Speaking of advice, speaking of advice, I just want to say to you moms who are complaining about your COVID hair. I got COVID hair. You probably have COVID hair. I just want to give you some advice. If you have some sort of urge that you think that you are going to be your own beautician, please, I want to caution you. The last time and the only time I thought that was okay, my hair looked like a lion's mane. And sisters, there are just some things that you cannot undo, and there are some things that you cannot on sea. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the word mother is just one word, but it covers a countless amount of women, some old and young, some mothers that are new and some that are seasoned, some that are happy and some that have heartache and some that feel empty and some that feel full. And I came across a prayer the other day, and I thought it would be perfect to share with you today on Mother's Day. So please pray with me. 
Dear God, today we honor all of the many kinds of mothers. You have told us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So that's what we do today. We ask you to comfort those with heartaches today, those who have lost their mothers, moms who've lost a child through miscarriage or death, our stepmoms who struggle with blending a family, those who have delayed or failed adoptions, for moms who have a broken relationship with a child, for those who have been hurt by a child, those who've wanted to be mothers, but it just hasn't happened, those who've struggled with infertility, and those moms and those grandmas who are alone today and isolated. But we also celebrate with the mothers, those who gave birth this year to a new baby, those who have adopted or welcomed foster care kids, those who welcomed grandbabies this year, those who serve as spiritual moms in our kids or students, those who are carrying precious babies inside of them right now. We thank you so much for our moms in every single stage of life, the mothers of toddlers and preschoolers whose work is never finished, moms of grade school, middle school, and high school who are juggling multiple roles right now and multiple emotions, moms who feel both the pride and ache of an empty nest, and grandmothers whose prayers are constant. On this Mother's Day and every day, we thank you for the gift of mothers. Amen. I'm a mom of three grown children, and I have a wonderful daughter-in-law, and I have a wonderful uh, son-in-law as well. And I'm a nana now, and I love, uh, I love being a mom and a nana. And on Mother's Day, I have so much to be grateful for, but it starts with the gratitude I have for my own mom. Since the time I was young, she instilled in me a faith and a love for God and a faith and a love for God's word. And that's my heart. It's my greatest purpose that I would help my kids to take steps to fall deeply in love with Jesus and to fall deeply in love with the word of God. Now, I am not perfect at this by any means, of course not, and my uh, sweet granddaughter schooled me before, uh, before COVID when I picked her up from school one day. So I picked her up, and she was jabbering, and she was telling me that she and her friend had been talking about what it would be like to be married. And I said, wow, so Eliana, what's the plan? And she said, Nana. There is no plan. I will never get married. Um, it hurts too much in childbirth. I gulped, <laughs> and then I asked her, well, um, who told you that? And she said, really, Nana? Really? Don't you know the story of Adam and Eve? <laughs> oh, goodness. There's nothing I love more in the universe than being a mom and a Nana. But being a parent or a mentor at any capacity, whoa, it is hard, isn't it? And it's messy. And it's messy because we're messy. And I think that it's important for you to understand that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And there's certainly no such thing as a perfect child. But you know what's perfect? What's perfect is the plan that God speaks over you as a parent. You were the perfect fit, the fit that God picked for your child. And God speaks a perfect plan over every child. I just believe that with all of my heart.
in all, in all of my messes, in all of my heartaches, in all of my crazy, my prayer has always been the same, that I would stay faithful and that my kids would stay faithful to God because God has always, always been faithful to me. If there's anything that I've learned, if there's any wisdom that I could share with you today, it's this. You have no power, no control. I have no power, no control over outcomes. I've learned this through parenting. As a mom, I had no control when my son was in a severe accident and helicoptered to the hospital. As a mom, I had no control when my daughter lost her first baby and we were told that my granddaughter, Eliana, would never be born. As a mom, I had no control when my kids would journey far from their faith. As a mom, I had no control when they would journey far into other countries, unsafe countries, to be missionaries. As a mom, I had no control of my unborn children and taking care of them when I was too sick for months in the hospital to take care of them myself. As a mom, I had no control, no control whatsoever, when my daughter cut all of her hair off as a child and also cut all the hair off of my dog. (laughs) Honestly, the only thing that we can control in all of these situations, in all of our situations, is if we're going to remain faithful. This past fall, we were in a series called Legacy, Choosing What Matters. And we talked a lot about all the times in life when you really just don't have control. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, we were introduced to a new word. And that word got real popular around here. And that word is hevel. And hevel... Hevel is like smoke or like vapor. You can't grasp it, um, you can't get a hold of it, and you certainly can't make sense of it. And I was thinking to myself, we are in hevel right now. There's so much hevel all around us. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much that we don't know. There's so many unknowns. And I just... um, I just know that Hevel, it just kind of brings us to the end of ourselves. It brings us to the end of our rope, right? It brings us to the end of our finances. It brings us to the end of our relationships. It brings us to the end of our abilities. It brings us sometimes to the end of our hope. And I know for you mamas that have been staying at home with your kiddos doing homeschool, It brings us to the end of our patience. (laughs) So what can you do when there's hevel all around? What can you do with all of this uncertainty and all that you can't grasp or understand? How can we be found faithful during that? We can do what we can do, and we can let go. We can let go. (laughs) We can trust God to do what only he can do. You see, we do our part, and God is always, always, always faithful to do his part. 
Today, I get to tell you a story about a faithful woman named Jochebed. Now, most of you, or a lot of you anyway, have probably never even heard that name. And the funny thing about it is, it's one of the most popular stories in the Bible. If you grew up in church or you ever went to Sunday school, I guarantee you heard this story more than once. It's a story found in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. But before I unpack the story, I just want to tell you a couple things about Jochebed. First of all, Jochebed was married. She, her husband's name was Amram. And they were both descendants of Levi. And we know that Levi is Jacob's son. At the time of the story, Jochebed had two kiddos. She had Aaron, and we know that at the time of the story, Aaron was three. She also had Miriam, and history or commentaries kind of lean towards her being between 13 and 17 years old. Jochebed was also pregnant during this time in her life, and she would later give birth to a son called Moses. My favorite part about this is that she is mentioned in Hebrews in what we call the Hall of Faith. When they talk about her in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews, they say that she was a woman that had courage and great faith. So the time of the story, there was a lot of hostility and there was a lot of hevel for the Israelites. They were living in Egypt. Now you can read about this yourself it's in Exodus chapter 1 but I just want to kind of summarize and put together what was happening at the time you see a new king a new pharaoh was in the land and he hated the Israelites he hated them so much because he was threatened by them Um, at this time in history there were many many Israelites there was so many in the land that it threatened him and he believed that they were going to overpower him or they were going to join forces with some of his enemies and take him over. And so he devised a plan, and it was a pretty hard plan. It was a plan to enslave them. Now, when you read in Exodus, you can tell how hard it was on the Israelites by some of the things that were said about how he treated them while they were enslaved. It said that he ruthlessly made them work. He ruthlessly made them work. He oppressed them. He intentionally oppressed them. And he made life bitter, and he made life hard for the Israelites. But you know what? They kept growing. They even grew greater. And of course, this made him all the more mad and all the more threatened. And so the king, the pharaoh, commanded that every son born to an Israelite woman would be put to death in the Nile River. So when we start Jacobed's story today, you can see that there was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of hostility. There was a lot of hevel going on. And so it picks up here in chapter 2 of Exodus, and we'll go through the first two verses together. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. 
Now, this is a time when there's obviously no ultrasounds, no great revealed party to know if it's going to be a boy or girl. And I can just imagine as she was carrying this child, just what she was pondering in her heart, just um, how she had to think about, wow, you know, if I have a boy, he's going to be condemned to death when he's born. And if I have a girl, she'll be free. Now, the one thing that I know about her as she was pondering these things, she was planning. She was planning because there is no way, (laughs) you mothers would know this, there is no way you can hide a newborn baby for three months without having a plan to do that. She did what she could do. The other thing that I want to point out here is that it says he was a fine child. Now, In other translations, you'll see that it says that he was a goodly child. But what I want you to know and what this means is that he was divinely beautiful. He was divinely beautiful. And then when you read um, uh, about Moses in other places in the Bible, it often references him as not an ordinary child. And what this tells me is that he was special. And now we all say that, right? When we have newborn babies, they all look fine and goodly and divinely. But I believe, I believe that he really was, well, We all know he was meant for so much more. So I want to go on to the next verse, three and four. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dubbed it with bitumen and pitch, which is homemade tar. She put the child in it and she placed it among the reeds by the river bank. Jacobin did what she could do. Boy, she was resourceful, though. She made a basket into an ark, into a boat that would keep her baby safe in the Nile. She placed the boat amongst the reeds. This was strategy. This was a woman who had a plan. She placed him there because the reeds themselves would get to be about 16 feet high, and that would allow the boat to be hidden well, and it would also keep the crocodiles away from the baby. The cool part about the basket was it was made out of the same reeds that she hid him, so it was like a camouflage. The hardest part about this is that she had to let him go. She had to let him go because there was nothing more that she could do. It was really out of her control, and it was in God's hands now. When we know in whom we believe it encourages us to place our most valuable possessions in his care. When we know in whom we believe, it encourages us to place our most valuable possessions in his care. When you know God, when you trust God, it allows you to put your families, your finances, your dreams, and your future into God's hands. Let's read verse 5 and 6. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. And of course we know those were her maids. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, we know that this is the providence of God. 
Only God can do what God can do. I mean, the boat, the ark, almost floated into the princess's arms. And also, um, <laughs> the baby crying at the exact right time. So when the princess says that she had pity, when it says that the princess had pity on him, pity doesn't mean like... Um, all of his moms would have if we heard a crying baby that it made us sad or made us feel bad for the baby. Pity is different here. Pity means a deep compassion. She had an incredible amount of compassion when that baby cried. And I don't think it hurt a bit that he was divinely beautiful. <laughs> so let's go to verse 7 through 9. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Again, we see the providence of God. Jochebed was reunited with her baby boy. Hebrew women would nurse their babies until they were about five years old. And this is really cool because that gave Jochebed enough time to share her faith and to share her love of God with him. And I am sure that she thought every day and every moment mattered. And she had to do everything she could to make an impact on him. I just want to talk now about the princess. I mean, the princess chose to defy the most powerful man on earth. She chose to defy her own father. She defied him and she saved the baby boy. And, and she adopted Moses as her own son. I just want to stop right now and I just want to thank every person that has ever stepped up and every person that has ever played a role in coming alongside of a child or student and making an impact on their life when they weren't their own. Thank you so much. So important and you're so valuable. And I don't want to miss I don't want to miss what Miriam did. Miriam was a young teen. It was dangerous for her to approach the, the princess. It, it was very courageous for her to do that. And it really showed just how watchful she was over her brother, just how much she loved and cared for him. And I just a shout out to you siblings out there right now who are like Miriam, who as, uh, that you watch over and you love and you care for your younger brothers and sisters. So cool. Let's go on to um, the last verse, which is verse 10. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Once again, Jochebed has to let go. And as a mom, I can't even fathom, I can't even imagine the heart, heartbreak she must have felt but I feel like I can hear God's voice, and I'm certain she did. Jacobed, don't forget all that I have done for you. You can let him go now. You can trust me. Wow. I want to be faithful like Jacobed. 
How can we be found faithful? We do what we can do, and we let go and do what only he can do. We let go, we trust God, and we let God do what only he can do. We do our part, and God is always faithful to do his part. God's plan is beautiful. It's always beautiful, even in the hard and even in the hevel. Jacobed's faith and courage saved her son. Her son was destined. He was destined to be a deliverer. He was destined to be a lawgiver. He was destined to be a shepherd. And most of all, he was destined to be one of the greatest leaders ever. Jacobed's faith her courage, and her action was used by God to preserve a nation. And probably not just a nation, right? The whole world. While I doubt that I will ever have to put one of my kiddos in a basket to save their life, besides the fact that they would not fit in there anymore, I am daily asked to let go and to entrust my kiddos into God's care. And trust me, it is not always easy to do. I mean, as mothers, um, we have a lot of control. And we call that control our care for our kiddos. (laughs) But for God to do what only God can do, we need to let go of them. Now, I'm sure that we all have things in our lives that we have to let go of and that we have to trust God for. And so I just want to pray for all of us this morning. In fact, I have a special prayer for you. When one of the Jacobswell Kids students found out that I was giving this message and knew what it was about, he volunteered to pray for us. So he sent me this prayer. Pray it with me, please. Dear Lord, Thank you for this message that was taught to us today. I pray for all the people who are holding on to stuff, that you would just help them to let go and that you would just help them to trust you. And we just want to thank you for all the moms everywhere. I pray that you would bless all those moms. In your name, amen.